Hello and welcome to the Wealth Reliance Podcast. My name is Dave Deal. This is the podcast for the side cash hustler. If you want insights, real life experience from people just like you on how they started creating side income, you are in the right place. Documented experiences of people creating a few hundred dollars to extra tens of thousands of dollars a month. Make sure to subscribe and review. This means more than you know. Also, feel free to check us out at selfreliantwealth.com. Before we jump into the episode, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. Hello and welcome back to the Self-Reliant Wealth Podcast. My name is Dave Deal and I'm your host. Today's guest is somebody that I've gotten to know pretty well over the years. Uh, His story is something that I think rings true for a lot of people. We all go through challenges. We all go through different times of life that are much more difficult than others. And we have to change and adapt our mentality. And this gentleman has gone through the ringer, so to speak, when it comes to having life hit you. And his response to it is absolutely amazing. He spent a lot of time in the motivational speaking world, helping people overcome challenges and trials. He also now is in the healthcare space and doing some amazing things there. Without further ado, Porter Hancock, tell us a little bit about yourself. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity. Any opportunity I get to to share my story and potentially inspire and motivate anybody to to overcome a challenge is something I'm going to jump at. So thank you for you know allowing me this opportunity. But yeah, a little bit about myself is you know I grew up in a small town um, where where you currently live, Dave, in, in Oakley, Utah. So had a, a small upbringing where. Um, the, the precipice of life was hard work. And if you wanted something, you had to work hard for it. So uh, I was lucky enough to grow up like that, which uh, played a, a key role in, in who I am today, knowing that no matter what life is, is throw you, if, if you do have a little bit of hard work, you can get through it. Um, and that's part of what helped me get through some, uh, some of the biggest challenges I've had. And um, what I've had to face in life, which was, you know, being a quadriplegic, you know, being paralyzed uh, in, in a high school football game, which was at that time of my life, my, my one true love. It's, it's where I got to express myself and, and, and be 100% who, who I was and um, having that taken from me and um, in a, a raw and unforeseen, you know, incident uh, is, is something that was very catastrophic to me. It, it took me from what I thought at that time, 16 years old, playing football, I thought I was 10 feet tall. And then I, I short, or shortly became, no pun intended, about uh, four feet tall, measured in my wheelchair. So uh, life has a f- funny way of taking us out um, yeah, with, with, with things we love to do, but yeah, that's kind of the, the, the main challenge I faced and, um, that led up to some, some crazy stories, some, uh, great adventures and a, a lot of trials. No, absolutely, man. I, I remember when that happened, thinking back, you know, you, uh, going back to that game and, and thinking about some of the emotions and things, you know, you talked about, you felt like you're on top of the world. You're 16 years old. You're in high school. You're playing the the game, uh, the love of your life, so to speak, at that point. And then you have 
this happened. I'm sure, you know, thinking back, you can remember it so vividly, but what was, what was your thought or what was your reaction as soon as you came to, you know, after that experience? Cause I mean, I guess, you know, from there you were rushed off to the hospital and then it was just this whole new journey from there. But what was that like? Yeah, no, it, it is crazy to think. And I remember it very, very vividly. And actually me and my wife were, were speaking at a fireside last night where I had to, uh, I was speaking about that a little bit. And, and every time I, I relive that, uh, I remember something, something new that I'd forgotten from, from that day. But, um, you know, it, it was a normal day. Um, you know, as normal as it could be, I went to school, um, went back to my home, did my whole pregame routine, got to the locker room, you know, started getting amped up with everybody. Um, and then, you know, the nerves, those butterflies start to start to build up as they do before, you know, any major competition, I'm, I'm sure you're aware. And, uh, a lot of the uh, listeners are aware of that feeling, but that quickly faded when, you know, the, the kickoff of the football game started and, you know, I, I lost myself in the intensity of the game where that's your, that's your focus and wasn't thinking about anything else till the third quarter comes up. And uh, I, we were lining up for an, uh, a punt return. And then the punter dropped the ball, uh, picked it up, and he started to run with that, run with it. And, and noticing this, I, I quickly uh, chased towards him and uh, tackled him. And, you know, as we fell to the ground, that's when my – uh, C5, C6 vertebrae was dislocated and that applied just a tiny bit of pressure onto my spinal cord. Um, it didn't sever it, didn't cut it, just quite a tiny bit of pressure. And those of you that don't know the spinal cord is, you know, it connects all your feelings, you know, all your movements and whatnot throughout your body. So um, that, that pressure at that level um, of the spinal cord, uh, you know, made me a quadriplegic, paralyzing me from the chest down. So um, one of the first moments after that, uh, I, I remember just looking up at the sky. Everybody was getting up except for me, and uh, there was no panic. There was no fear at that time. I just remember peace for some reason as I was staring up at the sky, seeing the lights, uh, seeing a slow trickle of snow, and then the next thing I remember is our um, our sports therapist. Uh, I don't know what we what, what we called her at, at that time, but uh, I remember her, you know, peering over me as well as our coaches, and they started asking all these questions. Um, you know, move your legs for me, wiggle your toes, move your arms, and this time I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. I, I thought I was doing it. Um, and when I was giving them these answers and they were asking me these questions, I remember they all started to appear uh, kind of somber or their, their um, complexion went white because I knew you know, something you know, very serious had happened. And this is where they, they motioned on the, uh, the ambulance. They uh, strapped me on the stretcher threw me in the ambulance and took me down to Salt Lake. And as I was in the um, ambulance going down there, they started a couple IVs and wanted to keep me awake and as aware as possible. So they, they, they started asking me all these, you know, these funky, silly questions. What's your favorite color? 
Um, what's your favorite movie? You know, those, those first date type of questions. And, um, you know, I thought this was silly. I continued to answer them and then I slowly started to fade into that consciousness. And then the next thing I remember is getting Will back to the x-ray room. And as I'm laying on the stretcher looking up, I felt like I was being pushed for, you know, a couple miles because it was just, you know, ceiling tile, ceiling tile, light, ceiling tile, not knowing what was happening, what was really going on. Someone come out and said, hey, you know, you might be paralyzed, you might have broken your neck. Nothing like that was ever said to me at that point. So um, as they start to cut away all my equipment, take me back to the expert room, um, they got the results back, and that's when they noticed my, my, my vertebrae was dislocated. It wasn't even broken. It was just out of place a little bit. Uh, like I mentioned before, uh, applying a little bit of pressure on that spinal cord. And then knowing that quickly, they realized they needed to do surgery. So they um, started to prep me for surgery. And, and this is when I really started to fade in and out of consciousness. But I, I do remember the, the portion of prep that they call traction, where they needed my muscles to relax that were around that uh, vertebrae. So this is where they put two screws in the head, my head right above my ear. Um, they had two screws there that they then attached weight and hung off the, the edge of the table. Um, you know, with the point of this is to help relax those muscles or tire them out so that they can get into that injured area and do what they needed to do. So they, they started to add weight, you know, 30, 40, 50 pounds. Um, which is which is the typical weight they add, but that wasn't working for me at the time. So I continued to add weight all, all the way up to 130 pounds uh, of weight was hanging from two screws um, on my neck or two screws on my head, um, I was stretching out that. And you know, as they continue to add weight, I remember the the, the nurse, who, whoever was you know administrating the the. Uh, the the Novocaine or whatever in those spots where they had, that they had the screws, she just constantly kept saying, "Does this hurt? Does this hurt?" And at the time, it didn't. I don't know. I was painless. Um, what you know, very many people would say would be one of the most excruciating pains um, that, that they could face in life. But uh, my body was trying to protect me, so. It, pushed away all that pain and and that was it that's all I remember from from that night um when I did wake up the next day I had no no memory what really happened before it didn't really hit me uh, the extent of, of what I was facing so I immediately woke up and one thing I did know is my favorite uh, college football team Texas was playing uh that day so I woke up and I said, hey, Texas is playing, you know, let's watch the game. That was my my first words, you know, as, as I regained consciousness that next day. I don't remember the game, but I, I remember asking to watch it. That's crazy, man. Um, I mean, and then I guess progressing on from that point, now all of a sudden the surgery is over at that point. You're waking up you're starting to realize kind of what's going on. What, what happens then? So that's, that's the thing. I don't recall 
remember, don't recall at that point realizing the gravity of the situation still. Um, it, it didn't hit me till uh, six months to a year after that. But, you know, at, when I did wake up uh, from the surgery, I still, you know, I still wasn't out of the woods from, from what was, was going to happen. So um, that shortly after I, I woke up, I contracted pneumonia, wasn't able to breathe on my own. So they, uh, I had to wear um, a, a breathing machine at night to keep me from breathing because if I didn't, I would have, uh, I, I would have stopped breathing. So uh, for you know a week or two after the surgery, I, I was still fighting, um, fighting that pneumonia, fighting to, to to breathe and regain everything I could at that point. Which outside of you know my lungs um, keeping me alive, I couldn't move anything. Um, but as I continued to progress in those coming weeks, uh, they moved me out of the, the ICU. I was able to, um, you know, eat or get rid of the, the pneumonia and start to breathe on my own. Um, then they moved me to the, the less intensive care unit where I was able to sit up for the first time for, you know, three weeks after my injury. Of course, not by myself, um, but the nurses physically sat me up out of bed, which uh, they had to do very slowly because my my blood pressure was still not knowing what to do because um, you know with, with that injury it, it does decrease um, the the voluntary movement of blood throughout the body. So uh, they sat me up quickly. I about passed out. I had to lay down. And then they inch by inch they had to sit me up to a, a full sitting position, and um, that was my first um, physical feat, I, I guess you could call it, after my injury, because at that point I still um, couldn't lift my arms above my head, but um, that, that quickly came uh, when they brought me to the, the, the physical therapy unit at the hospital, and that's where I spent uh, another two months um, trying to regain as much as possible, but but, but what is to be said for a C5, C6 quadriplegic is that you're going to be stuck in a power chair. You're going to be dependent. You're probably never going to uh, be able to lift your arms above your head, uh, sit up on your own, um, live an independent life. And at that point, I wasn't thinking about that. That was still um, not in my, my mindset. What I did know is I couldn't sit up. I couldn't do the things I wanted to. So I had to adjust my mindset to what can I do now and what do I want to do in the future and slowly start to, to build and, and brick by brick, I, I, I rebuild myself to someone that uh, performs and is able to do a lot more than was expected of me um, if you just looked at a piece of paper that said that was a C5, C6 quadriplegic. That's crazy, man. And you were in the hospital a total of how long? Uh, three months. So three months and then continued physical therapy after that. Oh, yeah. So once I got uh, released from the hospital, you know, I came home to a great community, a great family that, that, that did so much for me and was always there, which it which is a, a key 
um, a key factor in my rehabilitation physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, so that I, I can't talk about my injury without at least stating that uh, a couple of times. But um, as I had more physical therapy to do, I was going down there three to four times a week for um, the remainder of the year, uh, followed by two to three times a week for the year after that. And then, you know, once a week for another six months. So from the date of my injury till the date I stopped doing physical therapy was around three years. Um, and that's, you know, physical therapy, physical therapy by a physical therapist. Um, someone that is, is trained in neurological rehabilitation um, that doesn't take into account for everything I was doing outside of that. Um, I, I was, you know, going to therapy numerous hours a day, but then I was going home and working out because I knew what I was doing in physical therapy was going to get me to a bare minimum of being a quadriplegic, and I, I wasn't satisfied with that. So... I had to push myself beyond those uh, those limits, which uh, allowed me to become the person I am today. I think you, you know, from your story and just what I know about you, but what I've gathered even from this conversation so far is your ability to have determination and a, a mindset that is just unbreakable. You... I mean, you seriously exemplify the meaning of what going through challenges is, right? We all go through different challenges, whether it be physical, something like yours, or mentally, or something. And a lot of times we feel like we get to that breaking point. People tell us, the world tells us, friends tell us, family tells us that we can't do something. But yet we know in our heart that we can do something beyond what we're being told. How did you keep that mindset or how did you keep that positivity and that enthusiasm through those difficult moments? And even going on, you said it took six months to a year to really realize the gravity of the situation, but how did you stay positive and keep that glimmer of hope through, through those difficult times? So I, when people ask me that and they bring up the, you know, the, the depression and anxiety and stuff that comes with um, situations like this, I can honestly say, and I, I don't know why, and I don't know how, but it, it, it was easy for me. It was easy for me to sit back and reflect. Uh, reflect that I, I came from a, a bad childhood, and I had to work for everything I had, and I have this great family and this great community that's going to support me for anything. And that was the, the start of what kept me going and what kept me out of those, those mental gutters is just realizing in, in the quiet time. And I had a lot of quiet time, you know, after that injury, there was a lot of, um, you know, restless nights, restless nights and um, days by myself. And, and um, but that's, that's what helped me because you know, in, in that time, I was able to reflect on the, the, the first key um, to the, the many keys that I, I found, and, um, you know, going past adversity. And that was, I'm not here by myself. If I needed to, I could call upon anybody and, and they would help me out. Um, I looked to others for inspiration and, and that helped me build myself. 
into somebody that wasn't going to let um, circumstances, no matter the gravity, um, defeat them. I love that, man. I think that really does focus on what can get us through anything, no matter what we're going through. Just number one, gratitude, recognizing all of the good things that we have. Number two, recognizing that we're not alone, right? Because there's always somebody there that's in your corner. You may not feel it. Um, and I'm sure, I mean, people probably wanted to help you. They wanted to do so much, but in that moment, it's like, well, what do you do? How do you help? There's nothing really you can do, but you know, from your perspective, just having them there wanting to was maybe enough. I mean, I don't know what, what was that like? Right. Cause I'm sure yeah. people were there and they were trying to do stuff, but there was nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And then it was more of the thought that I had people there and not the actual physical action of them doing anything, but just knowing that they would. And I, I think that came from, you know, you know, my childhood without, you know, I, I grew up without a father. So I was always constantly having to find somebody to help teach me something. And, you know, growing up like that, I think that just you know, drilled into my head that it, we may physically have nobody in front of us, but we have the world and the community behind us. Dude, I just got chills. <laughs> that seriously, that's awesome, right? We look ahead and there's nobody ahead of us but we don't know what's behind us there lifting us and supporting us. Yeah. It brings me up to, to one of my most fondest quotes. And that's something I, I help uh, that helped me a lot is I found these, these great inspirational quotes. Um, and it's, I, I can't remember this one word for word because it's been a while and it just popped up into my head, but I put this on, I, I had this workout machine um, that I spent hours and hours a day at um, physically rebuilding myself. And it was, you know, something to the, the fact that um, we all have a path to walk and, and nobody's going to walk it for us, but they can walk it with us. <laughs> and that was just one of those things that, you know, at the, the very start of my journey, uh, physically rebuilding myself was was what helped me mentally uh, get past those, 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 you know, sad or, or hopeless days. Tor, this is such an awesome story, man. And I appreciate you being willing to share it with us. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit here in, in sort of the end of the, the episode, but what have you gone on to do since this accident now? I mean, it's been how many years? 10 years in October. Crazy, man. That is crazy. So it's been 10 years since the accident. What have you been able to do and accomplish in your life since then? Yeah. So honestly, um, if I were to not have been paralyzed, who knows? I probably wouldn't have gone to college. Probably would have went the trade route, construction, electrician, something like that, which, you know, would have, got me a, you know, a, a very good living and, you know, depending on, you know, what your idea of that is, but taking the physical aspect of who I was before, I, I was a very physical learner, um, not very bright in school, <laughs> uh, or 
definitely didn't put the effort in school that I, I have had to now. So a, after I, I graduated uh, from high school, you know, I uh, went to college, graduated in communications, um, and then, you know, got a job in kind of healthcare IT, healthcare consulting, which led me to uh, my master's program, which I'll be graduating with this semester in healthcare administration. Um, but that just shifted my mind frame of can't do what I was going to do or what I thought was going to be my future. And I had to apply myself into a different aspect of life um, that I didn't before. And that was school. I had to dedicate myself um, and with help and with uh, you know tutors and whatnot, I was able to graduate you know, with my bachelor's, which I'm sure most of my high school teachers thought would never going to happen, let alone graduating with my master's degree and, you know, with surprisingly a 4.0, don't know how I managed that. Um, that that's there as well, but um, that's kind of academically, that's what I was able to accomplish. And when we, we talk about the physical aspect, especially with um, you know, doctors and, and neurological professionals, um, realizing I was a C5, C6 quadriplegic, you know, essentially sentencing me to a power chair and a dependent life. I think the, the, the main part of what I was able to accomplish was, was all physically, was pushing myself beyond those, those limits where shortly after uh, my injury, I still had the will to compete. Um, and improve myself. So I found quad rugby, which is you know, also known as murder ball. Um, for those of you that want some good clickbait, there's, there's some great stuff there. Um, but um, I was able to try out for the Utah team, which I played on for a few years. I played for a uh, team in Nevada and Idaho. And then, you know, that led me up to, up to getting a, a scholarship offer at the University of Arizona, um, which uh, at that time, they were one of the very few colleges with a, a wheelchair rugby program, and it, it was very prestigious. So it was a, a great accomplishment to even get that offer. I ended up turning it down because it came at the worst possible, uh, worst possible time for that part of my life, but the best, um, best time for, for what I was working on with my future and mainly my wife. I got that scholarship offer as I was getting married um, to my wife and as, as she was starting to grow in her career. And I realized that um, I didn't have to pay for school regardless of the scholarship. The, the money for college was, was beside the fact, but um, what was there was that I had an opportunity to uh, chase a dream. And at that point, after a lot of um, thought, I, I realized it was just not a dream and it wasn't going to help provide for my future it build me up into the person I was and physically um, but it wasn't going to provide for my future so I, I ended up turning that down as well as with a uh, an invite to try out for the the wheelchair uh, Olympic team which uh, I forgo that as well just because of circumstance and and timing it wasn't my timing for that it was my timing to focus on my future and help build a life, you know, with my wife. Um, and, you know, once I 
I stopped doing wheelchair rugby. Um, you know, I passed on those opportunities. I still had the need to physically push myself because you know, mentally I was pushing myself in school, you know, getting my master's and whatnot, building a career. But I still physically needed to do something great and beyond my uh, limits because if I didn't, I would get soft. And once you get soft as a wheelchair user, you start to get dependent on people, start to have people, you know, push your wheelchair and do things for you. And that wasn't going to fly for me. So I continued to, to push myself physically. I, um, I did a, uh, you know, a half marathon and I've done some marathons since then. And, um, we, which is crazy. Just competing in a marathon in a wheelchair and the chair I was using was my old rugby chair and, it had no brakes. And a lot of these wheelchair marathon courses, there are big hills. And like I, I attack life, um, you know, full speed ahead, I, I attack those downhills, which uh, I flew past a lot of people. But then on those uphills, you know, that's, that's where they caught me. Um, and that's where the, the struggle ensued. And, you know, push by push, I push myself up those, those big hills. And, you know, one, one of the ones I did was Provo Canyon. And, you know, you know, Provo Canyon as well as I do, there's a lot of big hills. Up. A lot of big hills. So, um, you know, push by push, I had to push myself up those hills as, as I did in life after, you know, obstacle after obstacle, I had to continue pushing and, and brick by brick, I had to build myself. And um, I would say, the biggest accomplishments that I have, you know, from this injury are are physical, and to the average person, mean absolutely nothing. It, there is no thought that goes into getting dressed in the morning, or you know, lifting, re reaching the top shelf, or getting in and out of your truck, or it, cooking a meal. There's absolutely no thought. And that was for the average person, but for me, those are accomplishments. Those are what differ from an dependent wheelchair user to an independent wheelchair user. Um, I think that's where my greatest achievements lie. So I've got two more questions for you. One, <laughs> you have this amazing fire. Where does it come from? Do you think it came from sports and growing up? Like, where do you think that came from? I, I have to tie it back to my childhood of, you know, just wanting something and going out there and, and working hard for it. It's all intrinsic. Um, yeah, there are great external things that come with motivation, you know, such as a higher parent salary, you know, a nice house, a nice car, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, if I intrinsically accomplish what I'm set out to be, I can have none of that other stuff and still be satisfied. I love it, man. You seriously do have such an amazing story. And like I say, your, your attitude is something that I think everybody should try and emulate because it it's inspiring. It's motivating. It's, real it just goes to show that when you put your mind to something you can achieve it right and i think that 
that's something that cannot be tainted in an accident like that. You know, yeah, it hits you physically, but you still had your mind. And because of that, you were able to just push through walls that nobody thought possible and keeping yourself sharp and keeping yourself, you know, keeping that fire lit. I mean, you're right. I think as soon as we stop, even in, you know, somebody that doesn't live their life in a wheelchair, like the moment that you stop and you give up is the moment you become soft. And that's when your life starts to crumble and fall apart. We can't get comfortable. Comfortable is where everything begins to just stop progression stops. Right. And that's, that's not a good place to be. We've got to push ourselves to be better. And that's what scares me the most is as soon as I start feeling complacent or comfortable in something, I have to challenge myself or level up because um, I know it's, it's very easy to fall into those traps and, and let your life pass you by. And, you know, as you know, when I uh, stopped rugby, that's when I pushed to kind of like endurance sports to, to challenge me. And when I finished my bachelor's, my master's was going to challenge me. And now as I, um, you know, come uh, upon the completion of my master's, I'm frantically looking for another challenge. I need something else to not only push me physically, but mentally. So um, I decided to register for a triathlon. So that's where my... Uh, my effort is going to be focused on in, in, in the coming future as I continue to challenge myself. Way cool, man. You'll have to keep us posted on that. So this last question I've got for you is one of my favorites, and I'm sure you're going to have a great <laughs> answer. Um, it's one of those that goes a little bit deeper than, you know, it, it's more of the heart. And the question is, if you were given one more day to live, what advice or what wisdom would you leave behind as your legacy? Man, there's, there's so much there. And <clears throat> there's been so many aspects of my life where a specific quote or a specific um, example from someone I look up to is, has helped me um, has helped me get past a certain obstacle. So if I had to leave one thing by it'd be, always keep your eyes open for those things that can elevate you as a person, but then be willing to turn around and do that same thing to somebody else. <clears throat> because people are always watching you, whether that's good or bad. Um, and as, as I think about my life, I was very conscious and aware of everything that was going on around me, positive or negative. If something influenced me negatively in life, it positively influenced me in my next chapter because I could look back on that and be like, no, that, that happened to me and that was bad. So I'm not going to let it happen to, to me again or anybody else. I love it, man. That is such sound advice. In closing, is there any other thoughts or comments that you want to share with our listeners? Um, one of the last things I, uh, I like to leave <clears throat> um, individuals with, you know, that I speak or work with or anything like that is, is one of my most favorite quotes. And one of the biggest reasons uh, I was able to overcome uh, adversity 
and that is um, I come as one, but I stand as 10,000. And, and I tie that back to my childhood, about uh, back to my upbringing, back to my community. Um, as you know, as I speak to you today, I'm one person, but I am that one person because of the 10,000s that have helped mold me. The 10,000s that have given me um, an, an example. Most of the examples were given to me without their knowledge is because I, I took something from something that they did um, and they could or could not have been aware that I was even watching. But those are the things that I gathered from my community that, uh, that built me. I love it, man. That is awesome. That is such a good quote. So many gold nuggets in this episode. You truly do have an inspiring story, man. And I appreciate you being willing to take the time to, to share it with us. Uh, if somebody wants to connect with you and hear more about you or have you come share your story with them, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, so I, I'm most active on Instagram. So just Porter Hancock at Instagram. Or um, they can always email me, porterhancock at iCloud.com. Um, pretty simple, pretty easy to, uh, to, to get a hold of on uh, either of those uh, avenues. Awesome. Well, my friend, this has awesome. again been such an amazing episode, and I appreciate being willing to take the time to, to be with us today. And everybody out there, uh, I hope you really do take this to heart and learn something from it because there is so much wisdom in what Porter shared with us and it can help you throughout your life. It can help you become a guiding light to others and to help them share their light too. So as always, make sure to infuse hope to those in need by teaching correct principles that lead to result-driven action. Go out, make it a fantastic day, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Are you tired of using 10 different platforms to manage your CRM, your Google My Business reviews, text campaigns, email campaigns, calendar invites, website builds? I was too. I used ClickFunnels, Kartra, JotForm, Calendly, you name it, I tried it. I came to the conclusion that I needed one software platform that could do all of this in one place. With Sluicebox, I was able to do all of this and more. Go check out sluicebox.io today to change your life and make it that much easier and that much more simple to manage all of your leads, all of your customers, and everybody in one spot. Sluicebox.io. Are you ready to learn how you can take your life and your business to the next level? Learn how you can create side income and have different assets pay for your life and your lifestyle? Tune in next week to the Wealth Reliance Podcast. This is Dave Deal signing out. Thank you so much and have a great week.